So we welcome each of you all to Revive Church Facebook family. We thank you for joining us as well. Um, we are here because he got up, and that is something to celebrate. Amen? Amen. Amen. So I'm excited to be here. Let's all stand all over the building. Uh, let, yeah, let us holler for a little bit. And then go home and eat something real quick. Amen? Y'all like solid to eat? Y'all yeah. cook? Amen. No? Yeah. Our mama cook? Yeah. Yeah. Mac and cheese? Yeah. The Saints, listen, Chacol's mama brought me a plate. I tell you what, I'm loved. <laughs> it's like the old church mother says, a plate, baby. Make sure you eat real good. Make sure the pastor eat real good. <laughs> All right, so let's grab your Bibles. And of course, as we know, our, pa- our podcast is... Um, on uh, Apple uh, Podcasts and Google Podcasts if you want to listen to that um, after today. And we'll go from there. Uh, let's go to, we're still on Victory Series, you know that. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 15, 55 through 58. 1 Corinthians 15, 55 through 57. I feel like I don't have a lot to say, um, so we'll see when we get on through here and make it, make it a wrap. And pray for some people. See what's going on. We'll pray for Chavez. All right. So good to see you guys. I love y'all. I haven't preached in 400 weeks. It's my first time being up here in a long time. My God. What do you say? What is up with that? <laughs> Next time, it'll be different. <laughs> so, uh, you ready? 1 Corinthians 15, 50, 55 through 57. Uh, I'm going to be reading from the Passion Translation because it just does my heart great joy. Um, so I'm going to be reading from that. All right, on the screen it is, so death, I'm going to read verse 58. So death, tell me, where is your victory? Tell me, death, where is your sin? It is sin that gives death its sin, and the law that gives sin its power. But we thank God for giving us the victory as conquerors through our Lord Jesus, the anointed one. 58. So now, beloved ones, stand firm and secure. Love your lives with an unshakable confidence. We know that we prosper and excel in every season by serving the Lord. Because we are assured that our union with the Lord makes our labor productive with fruit that endures. I want to preach on this subject, the defeated sting. You may be seated. The defeated sting. Um, Brittany, do you remember how to cut on the camera in the back? The one of the course? All right. Thank you. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you and bless you for what you're going to do, what you're going to say in this room. We honor you for your power, for your grace that's represented here. Thank you for what this day means. Help us to proclaim that uh, with great joy, with great confidence and knowing what you have won still wins for us today. And we thank you. We honor you. Bless you. Father, without you, I am nothing. With you, we are everything. And we honor you. In your name we do pray. Amen. Someone said the defeated sting. The defeated sting. So have you ever, you got to bring me the little button at the top? Okay. So have you ever in your life got stung by a bee? Did you cut on the mic at the bottom of it too? <laughs> gotcha. Have you ever been stung by a bee? You never been stung by a bee? You got a, you got a great victory. You haven't either? Keep living. You're too young. You don't know nothing yet. Still got milk on your breath. All right, have you ever got stung by a bee? Um, anybody else got stung by a bee? How did it make you feel? And I always got in trouble from Pamela Dorse Jean because I would scratch the bump. And of course, that would irritate it. 
And what would happen? The bump would keep expanding. So I have this huge, I remember that, I don't, I don't know if you remember this, Mom. I had this one beast thing on the back of my leg, and my calf had grown so big from this bump that it looked like I was like just only exercising this one leg real good. <laughs> like this one, this one leg. Um, it was so bad, and it, it hurt so bad to walk. I was kind of walking with, with, a, with a quick limp, you know, it hurts real bad. So and it was very painful. And so, um, that sting did a number to me because I kept scratching and irritating it. Um, it decided to grow as large as it did, and it hurt really bad. My God. So when I finally went away, when I left it alone, okay? Let that preach to you. That sometimes things won't go away until you take your hands off of it. The longer I kept my hands on it, the more it began to expand, and that bump grew really big. But man, when you take your hands off of stuff and allow the healing process to happen, then things can really happen, all right? Let that smack you upside your head. Sometimes you have to keep some things alone. Stop touching some things. Stop trying to be in control of some things. Stop trying to be over some things. Yes, you may have your life, but you are not the owner of it. And when someone else steps in and tries to start controlling something, you are always going to find yourself in a whole bunch of pain. Is it possible that the pain you possibly feel right now even may be because you put your hands on something that you have no business putting your hands on? I go back to thinking about this great gospel that we preach and we exclaim and we have in our hearts every single day, but yet and still there was something called the gospel that I think sometimes we shy away from, which is why I'm thinking, I've been, I've been thinking that maybe Resurrection Sunday is something that we oftentimes skip over and think is just a day. We go to church, we shout really good and that's wonderful and we leave acting as if he never got back up again. Because of our actions prove that sometimes he, maybe he didn't get back up or what we think proves he didn't get back up or what we do, our gestures prove, our manners, our character proves that he was not a resurrected savior. What is your actions representing? What are your, what are your, what do you do? What do you do that represents he is a resurrected savior or he's not? And so sometimes we're going to get back to the story of why the bee is so important. But when it comes to that word sting, the definition of it is a small, sharp, pointed organ at the end of a bee, a wasp, even ants, a scorpions that causes inflicting pain or dangerous wound by injecting poison into whatever it lands on. The funny thing is, the poison comes to get you jacked up, and then it dies, so we get to see its victory. Yeah. All right? So anyway, so I want to go back to and walk through quickly Genesis. Genesis chapter 1, we know God made heaven and earth. We all know that. Yes, praise the Lord. We know that he came, he did what he did, moved on through. Praise his name. So Adam came into the picture. Wonderful relationship. He said it's not good for man to be alone. So what did he do? He blew the ruach of God, the breath of God to come and to give life into this person. And now we have out of him aside to put him to sleep. Out of the side, he what? Grew at, uh, Eve. Out of the rib. Now she's living. A great thing. You know the Bible never gave, a, and this is just my little mind. The Bible never gave a timeline of when she actually messed up. So they, she could have been there for thousands of years, Coco, and they probably would have been living their best lives. And I wonder if perhaps they got bored with their surroundings and happened to go talk to a serpent named Satan. I wonder how well sometimes we go through life thinking everything is great. And because you can't keep focused, you got to find someone else to talk to. So now 
So she goes and she talks to the serpent. And you know, the introduction into sin now comes. Now there's sin. Now there's sin in the world. Now you got it. The woman's going to have this. The man's going to have this. And now we all got to suffer. All right? So now you see that the Old Testament, now a law has to be established. They establish the law. They give them the Ten Commandments. They have all these things. The priest has to wear long garments and the bells have to be a part of the tassel. And when you don't hear the tassel anymore, then it's how you know that the priest is dead because he was not clean. You could not go inside of the temple. You had to, once a year, you had to come and get your sins atoned for. You had to see it all year long and once a year, then you had to come and get forgiveness for that. And you can see it as soon as you left out of that, that, out of that tent. And at the same time, you still cannot be forgiven until the time came back around again. This is what that, that sin has permitted to happen in the earth. Still, it's called the law. You have to abide by that. You shouldn't do this. You can't do that. You shouldn't do this. You have to always offer up a sacrifice. You have to go and find a fatted calf. And you have to go and skin the lamb. It has to be perfect. No blemishes on it. This is the law. You have to make sure the fire is this much. You have to make sure the sacrifice with the, the altar is this big, certain kind of cubic feet. You have to make sure that everything is improper. Certain kind of wood. Certain kind of fire. These are the things of the law that that sin introduced. As we read 58, uh, 58, 57, 58 talks about the strength to sin is the law. That is not only the law of God, but it is also the law that you introduce yourself to. What you believe has to be done. It's what gets all the people. It's not just the Bible that, that jacks you up. It's what you were taught that was erroneous that you made the law. And now if you, don't, if you go against that, you feel as if you are condemned. God doesn't love you. He's not proud of you. He's not happy for you. But guess what? He died for even the false law you thought you lived under. It is something called the law and sin that melds them two together. It is sin that gives strength to the law. Because the sin, sin makes you live under the auspice of I never am going to get it together. I'm never going to be perfect. I'm never going to be good enough. And so all the Old Testament have all this stuff going on. Horrible issues. They're right dying. And if you sin, oh, Miss Ross, you out of here. Poof, gone. There was a guaranteed funeral. Or if you didn't die, it could be the fact of maybe, just maybe, you had to suffer with the lineage issue because of sin that entered in the camp. There are so many people in the Bible that went through leprosy and all kind of different things because of the sin in the family. Unrepentant sin. All right, that was there in the bloodline. And I tell you, the most American people, most Christian people are suffering, living out a generational curse because someone didn't say, forgive me, God, because I knew not what I did when it happened. And so it kept on going. There are so many. I believe that's how mental illness got developed. I believe that's how all these things. I believe there's so many things that got developed only because no one took time to address the bad apple in the bunch. There's always something going on. Yet and still have you have have you repented of that thing. Moving on to the New Testament. Now we see the entrance of Jesus. Now, uh, now you see, I'm coming down. Born of a Virgin Mary. I love that little song. Born of a Virgin Mary. And so now everybody thinking that Joseph's some kind of uh, they thinking they are all kind of wrong. Because now uh, we ain't done nothing, we ain't married, and you got a baby. 
And she got to go around saying, it's not my kid, but it's, it's going to be a good one. Just hold on. I mean, think about how odd that looks, right? Um, so now he comes to the world. You remember the first thing he did was turn water into wine, right? So now you see that whole thing going on. He said, woman, my time has not come yet. And so he said, whatever he says you to do, just make sure you do it. And it made, that's a dangerous thing. Stop trying to employ something before it's time or it can be damaging to you. That's why people that go into things and go into territory, go into businesses, go into relationships and are not ready for it yet. Moving on. Now he moves through. He grows up. He comes into the age of 30. He, has been, he, he begins his ministry. Jesus did all those miracles, so many to name, in three years of ministry. Three years of ministry. Perfect time. Great time. All right? He turned water into wine. He fed the 5,000. He raised them from the dead. He, uh, he, uh, he went and rose up children from the dead. He went and healed, healed, uh, healed the centurion. I mean, there's so many things he did. His track record was clear until somebody got envious of him and did not like what he was doing. He can't be the son of God. You're proclaiming something that is not. You cannot be that. And sometimes you will always have enemies that always proclaim you as something that you really are. But they're saying you are not that. But it's your choice on what you do with that very thing. It's not your job to prove to them who you are. It's your job is to be the living Jesus that they may see in that moment in order to invite them to a lifestyle of change. It is something when you take the time. To endure the persecution for his namesake. Because yes. the Bible says that we will, we will be persecuted for his namesake. But some of us are so busy trying to prove ourselves to try to stop the persecution. <laughs> Look at him and say, neighbor, chill. Just chill on that. Moving on. He goes on through. Now they get leery of me still. Oh, you got to be doing some crazy cuckoo kind of stuff. And the thing was, one of the people that was going to kill him, he went and healed his son. He said, I believe, but help my unbelief. The one that was sent out to do something to him, now Jesus does something for him and changes his mind about who he was going to serve. Sometimes your obedience to do something, even to someone that pronounces a different God than you, is going to be the thing that changes their life forever. But you don't want to do it because oh, I ain't going to mess with them because they atheists. I ain't going to mess with them because they are sinners. Let me tell you something. Jesus hung around more sinners than you knew. And if a sinner offends you, you have got to do a great heart check because you have pride on the inside of you. Hang out with some dirty people sometimes. If you hang out with dirty people, you'll find out the clean ones you think you're hanging around with aren't really clean at all. Yeah. I digress again. Moving on. Now, they get really suspicious. Now comes the Last Supper. Sitting there with his boys. Take it. Here's my body. Take it. Eat. Drink. Here's my blood. Eat. Drink of this. Drink of this. And when you do this again, it will be with me. But take it. This is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. But in the midst of a dinner, one of you all going to betray me. Whatever you're going to do, make sure you do it quickly. It's me. It's me. It's me. We find out that Judas was the one that hung around. He was the one that was there. And he betrayed him. Peter also betrayed him. I think it's also great how both of them uh, he addressed him as the devil. 
They both have a devil, the demon in them that made them and employed them to do what they did, right? But at the same time, he kept Peter, got rid of Judas. My point for saying that is sometimes you got to keep an evil one around you. What if the one you are trying to kick out is the one that's going to give you the doorway to your ascension? Had Judas not done what he done, had Peter not done what he done, Jesus would not have been ascended. Of course, we you know he would have found a way around and did something else. But yet and still, Judas was the one that saw him for what? 30 pieces of silver. So what happened? Because of that, they knew where to find him. He said, that I'm going to give him a kiss. And that's how you know that that's the one. That's the Messiah. So he walked up to him and kissed him. And out of the, out of the abyss, he saw people with torches walking toward to kill him. And they arrested him and took him unto Pilate. Who said, I don't see no wrong with him. Yet until they said, crucify him, crucify him. And they took him and beat him till flesh was off of his body, crawled thorns on his head, and had him carry up the cross on the hill. Three people tried to help him. Yet until he did not allow them to do so. Because he was so engulfed with the assignment he had to do. And the thing is, I want to proclaim to you is that when your assignment is in front of you and it is as serious as it is, you will not give up and come down from that thing. There are so many people that allow, they allow distractions to come and knock them off of assignments and they never finish them. But may the God who gave you that assignment reignite your fire again to complete what he told you to do. Had Jesus given up his assignment on the cross while he was hanging there, you'd be dead right now. But he did not come down. And I hear people say all the time, oh, he could have called down a legion of angels. Yeah. But you know what? In reality, he couldn't have done that. Why? Because if so, we wouldn't be here. And mind you also, at that time, listen, he was a hundred percent man. So he didn't have the authority to do so. All he did in that moment was to have to say, uh, Eli, Eli, lama sabbatini, why, my God, why have you forsaken me? Which means the spirit detached from who he was. He was not that same being anymore. Now you see, of course, at the end, he says, it is finished. He hung his head, and the old saying say, in the locks of his shoulders, and he was dead. From the sixth to the ninth hour, he hung there. And it's something I was studied a while ago, but how they had that one nail on his feet. In order to breathe, he had to push up on that one nail every time to allow wind to go into his system. Could you imagine pushing up on a nail in your feet? Breathing just a little bit? Enough for you to get by. Let's keep on going real quick. He goes in the tomb. He's dead. Gone. They're suffering, crying. He's gone completely. Now what happens? Third day. You know, he went to hell, <laughs> took back the keys, came back, tomb was rolled away. And they had people there that were watching to make sure that he could not, no one, you know, no one get out, no one get in, no one try to steal his body. They rolled up on him. The tomb was open. There was nobody in there. Uh, my old pastor used to say that back in the day, they would toss the, toss the napkin down in order to prove, to say, I'll be, I'll be back. But when they folded it, they said it was done. 
of course, that's all the Simon say how when they, when they went to the tomb, the, the, the cloth that was around him was folded, saying, I'm not coming back here anymore. It's already done, fam. It's already gone. That's why I'm telling you, you have got to understand that if he got back up, what makes you think you can't get back up? If he survived that, what makes you think you can't survive this? And he rose with all power in his hands. So now he's risen. He comes to the boys. If that's really you, Jesus, Thomas said, let me put my finger. He's okay with you. Put your finger. Here's, I'm not going to believe you, Thomas. And let me tell you, there are so many doubting Thomases. And can we bring it home? There are some of you that have characteristics and traits of doubting Thomas. You think as if, man, I'm telling you, you think as if that God has to prove himself to you every time because you don't believe that he really can do it. I'm not sure what has swayed you or changed your psyche or gave you a chemical imbalance to make you believe as if that God is not capable of defeating what you are under right now. But may your doubting Thomas and you die today that God does not always have to prove himself to you because you just don't believe him. I'd rather God just show me who he is than be begging to him. Hey, prove. Hey, prove it. Now, let me, let me, I don't believe you. Prove No, I'd rather him just show me than be screaming, prove it. Yes. So let me bring this to our text. Paul, let's go back. First person that saw him was who? Mary, Matt. I'm sorry, y'all never say that because I'm so scared they don't get it wrong. Let's try it again. Who's the first that saw him? Mary. All right. The one who was, who was bad. The first one, look, look, hussy. She was the first one to see him. She was nasty. I hope y'all, y'all, y'all not read your Bible. She was not a good person, technically, okay? She was fast. This is who she was. And she was the first one to see Jesus. What happened, though? She was the first one to see him, but please understand this. She saw him. Jesus sent her away to tell of his arrival. Apostles are sent ones. They are ones that are commissioned by God to go. Mama Sharon started laughing. She know what I'm about to say. So we oftentimes say that only the, only the 12 were the apostles. That's not true. If it tended to be right, she's the one who was sent first. Before Paul ever saw him, before John ever saw him, before any of them ever saw him, she was the first to see him at the place. Let me tell you something. Make sure you see who you need to see to make sure you are able to send them to let them know you got back up again. There's always needs to be somebody around where you died at to let you to let somebody else know you are risen now. Let me tell you something. There is always somebody waiting on your death, but there's never anybody waiting on your comeback. And there needs to be a comeback onto in the earth around, which, which requires you. You cannot stay where you are. You got to get back up again. I don't know what told you in your life that you would never get back up again and that you would never make a comeback. But let me prophesy to you. You are about to make a comeback. You are coming back stronger than you ever have been before. And it's not going to require a whole bunch of stuff. But whoever told you that you would never rise again is about to get a major surprise. To the text. Paul pins this. 1 Corinthians, a letter to the Corinthian church. 
He starts in verse 50. Read it in your leisure. It's your homework. He starts in verse 50 and lets them know about the resurrection. Okay? I low-key want to do my, uh, I want someone to read it out loud. I'm going to read it because I don't want to be too extra today. I want to be read. Low-key, but I'm not going to. He talks about getting back up, the resurrection of Christ. It's always what this is about, okay? He lets them know that you're going to rise again. I'm almost done for real. He lets them know, hey, you're going to get back up again. It's all good. Verse 50, he talks about moving on. He says, dear brothers and sisters, our physical bodies cannot inherit the kingdom. So I need you to understand, you're going to lose this and pick up another body. You're not going to have this body always. <laughs> all right? Corruptible, corruptible, incorruptible, all that, it's, all of them go away. In a moment, in a twinkling of an hour, shall we be caught up to meet him? All right? And the dead in Christ shall rise first. And all those who are left will then be caught up to meet him in the air. That's the Bible. Can I help you call out some preachers that preach this stuff at funerals? And the people always say, we all have to go about this way sometimes. That's not biblical. All right? The next time they say it, tell them, shut up. Because not all of them are, not all of us are going to be in a box. Not all of us are going to burn in some fire. No. All right? Because the Bible says that there those who are dead in Christ will rise first. And then the Bible says, and those who are left here will be called to meet him in the air. When the trump shall sound. That's the Bible. I'm reading scripture. All of us are not going to die. A physical death. But our, incor- our corruptible bodies will die. And we will put on incorruptible and be called to meet him in the air. That's the Bible. Okay? Because y'all stop believing this. I, everybody, I'm, I, everything I've been to, we all got to pass by this way. No, we don't. Not all of us. Because the Bible says some will die. Some will be caught up. Okay? And we're going to meet him in, in, the, in, in the air and be taken up. Move on real quick. Our dying bodies are going to be transformed into bodies that will never die. Mortal, immortal bodies moving forward. So Paul says, y'all are tripping, but here's the greatest victory to this. Oh, death is swallowed up in victory. So, oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, grave, where is your sting? Here is why I think this is important to preach to you today. Because many of us, are guilty of walking around still with the stinger on the inside of us. We think as if that we just have this thing and this shall be our lives forever and this is how we are going to live and this thing will always be there. But the Bible says, for sin is the sting that results in death. Here is what you need to understand here. Very simply put in this whole message, this homily I want to preach to you, is simply this. is that the sting was ripped away on the cross. So for us to think as if that we are going to live with this thing forever, we are not. We are not always going to live with this thing there. I ask you again, have you ever been stung before? And how did it feel when it stung you. How did you feel? How did it make you feel? What was the lasting feeling of that sting that was there? 
The point of what I'm saying to you is sin is still present. Everywhere. No matter what happens. Sin is around you. It's a choice to sin. Saints. Oh, let's try it again. It's a choice to sin. It's what you choose to do that will involve you in sin. Now here's what I want to point out here. Come on. Sin is still present. But now the sting of death has been taken out. And so I asked the Lord what exactly that meant. And so, um, you see this? Okay. Um, I was saving my head. It's been a while. I was looking, uh, I'm, I don't even know a comparison. I was looking like something. And what happened, I was trying to move quick because I got late this morning. I was trying to move quick. And when I, I tried to do a little hand exchange with the razor, and as I exchanged hands, I sliced my finger. <laughs> really? Stay close. It's going to make sense in a second. So I sliced my finger. And boy, did it sting. But I was asking God, tell me more about what this thing means. And what sin is. And here's what he demonstrated to me. He made me cut myself, Miss Ron. I mean, as soon as I answered that question, real quickly. Here was the great thing I want to share with you. I hurt myself really bad. And here's the great thing that happened. I got revelation and understanding about what it was. So I cut myself. Here's the thing. This morning, it stung really bad. And there was blood coming out. Now, the sting is not there, but the mark still is. When Jesus died on the cross for us, it did not take away the mark, but it did take away the sting. Which means that sin is still present, but now the penalty of sin has no access to you. Amen. Oh, man. So, oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, great, where, where is that? It's not in the, I don't feel it anymore. So when Jesus rose from the grave, he demolished the penalty of the sin. It did not say the sting was going to go, the mark was going to go away. Sin is still there. However, the sin can't access to you. Here's a shout where you can, you can throw a chair at me. Death and hell had access to you before the cross. So that was the sting it had permission. That bee had permission to sting you. B-E-E. -E, in case you ain't trying to sound bite me. I'm talking about B-E-E. -E. You know how social media is. The bee sting would have access to you, right? Death, hell had access to you because you were not covered. You were under the old law, the old covenant. So because that's done away with, now you have the ability, y'all, to now, even if you sin today, the, remember the Bible says the wages of sin is, but the gift of God is eternal life. So now the wages of sin have no sting in you anymore because of what he did for you on the cross. Now, caveat, if you just go out of here and just do whatever you want, this is not permission to involve yourself in sin willfully. Praise the Lord. Okay. It's not permitted to involve yourself willfully. However, it is something that needs to be understood is that the penalty of sin was completely death. But now because of what has been won for you, you do not have to have that penalty right now anymore. You can ask for forgiveness and be forgiven. But before this, you could not ask for forgiveness. You would still just simply die. Mm 
And many people live life as if this thing is still following them. My for real, for real question to you, do you live as if a thing is following you? Are you afraid of death? Come close. If you're afraid of death, then right now probably you are guilty of the poison of the stink. If you are afraid of death, you are probably got infected by that sting and now you are suffering the benefit of the poison that's in you right now. This is not something that should be taken lightly. This is something to be understood that this could only be demolished only if someone died on the cross. The ultimate sacrifice was him. There had to be a bringing in from the Old Testament almost of this altar, the sacrifice that was given to us, right? And now he de- defeated that by not getting rid of the law, but fulfilling the law. So you here, ma'am, sir, you are here because this is the gospel that we believe in what we preach. That this thing has been removed away from you. So that you can access heaven. Because without this, you will still be in hell. You'll be living hell on earth and living in hell when you go to the fire. There is something that needs to be understood today. But this thing had permission to you via death. The sin you committed. But right now, you can leave out of here and sin and ask for forgiveness and be forgiven. Period. It's not something that you just think and feel should have to live in your life for eternity. It is not that. Sin has no control over you because of what God took control over on the cross. Period. And if you can't accept that, then maybe you are too busy examining the stink. He did not do away with sin. But he did handle sin so that we could be free. It is something that I hope that we embrace here as we strive to live this victorious life. That it is something that needs to be understood. That this gospel that we preach, this gospel that we believe is still in effect today and it still wins for us if we allow it to. It is not something that we just do just because. It is something we talk about. Something that we live because it's who we are. We are now this great gospel that we preach about. Because we have accepted the fact that he is our risen savior. He died for us so that we could live. You were on your way to hell, plainly put. But God loves you despite of that. Only to say, I'm going to die for you. I'm sure that God probably maybe took on some other options. You know, just like, you know, I got to die for Chavez, but uh, let me try to send down a blueberry or something. Like, no, it didn't work like that. Because that couldn't withstand the thing. That's why I was trying to scream during praise and worship. Nothing else could handle the magnitude of what he took on for us. So he had no choice. Could you imagine? Could you imagine that? How would you feel that God said you got to give up your sons to save the whole world? The boys, you raised. How would you feel, mom, if God said I had to die? How would you feel? Miss Rise of Yasmin had to. How would you feel? Defeated. And the, the crazy thing is, the beautiful yet crazy thing is, remember on the cross when he was hanging there? 
The Bible said the earth grew void, grew dark, nothing there. The earth was nothing. Because now the person that came to redeem it is now leaving here. The purpose is on the cross, dying so that the promise could live. So earth grew void. Can I tell you that right now someone's world is voided right now because maybe you have not walked into your assignment. On the good side of this, plainly put, his death certificate became your birth certificate. So had he not done what he done, all you would have had was a death certificate. Because he decided for you to live. Now you have a birth certificate. You would think that God would be okay with sending his son to die, knowing that he was going to get back up real quick. But he was still hurt. He turned his face from him because it was so gruesome of an activity that his only son had to die. The earth shook. The veil was torn. There was wrath for us. Now we can come boldly into the throne because of what he did. It's an all-access pass when you accept him. There is no restriction to him. Now we can come boldly to him because of what he did. Because he died, the law is fulfilled. And the only reason you feel something is because it's empty. The law was empty. And he came to fill it. But now we have life. This is the glorious gospel that we preach about. The glorious gospel that we ever so are so happy about, that we sing about, we shout about, we worship about because he died for us and we now have life. Period. So your objective as we leave here, as we close this, is for you to understand that this thing that we have, this thing that we preach, this thing that we live is something that still is living today. And it's something that you need to take out of here and have a great appreciation for I just never want us to become so uh, excited for one day when this one day affected our entire lives. So we get caught up in one day. Oh, hallelujah. But this should be preached even after today. Next year, tomorrow, this glorious gospel is something that should be proclaimed everywhere. Man, but will you do it? Will you only tell people about this one day? We put so much hype in one day. What happens? People come to church for one day and never walk back in church again. We invite people into an experience for Easter. And now it's really not that. It is this, this bizarre, great show that never exemplifies the message of the cross. And I just never want us to become voided of that message of the cross. What the cross did for us. Yeah, we'll have an Easter production. Yeah, we may have, you know, food trucks and whatever. Yeah, we may have that at some point in our church. But when we stand and proclaim, when we sing, it's going to be the message of the cross. And not just that day, forever. May the cross always be understood. It still stands. And it still wins. He is the one that conquered death, hell, and the grave and gave us the greatest victory. Again, he's the one that defeated everything but gave us the trophy. 
Right now, you walk away with a trophy on you, with you, all you, every time, everywhere you go. Yet still, you didn't lift your finger to do nothing. And the thing is, though, we are so like real, real stuck on, like, oh, God, fight for me. He fights for me. Yeah, it's true. But in reality, man, the only time that God really lifted his finger was the cross. Think about it. We're just thinking, oh, yeah. Yeah, he always fights, but the cross defeated it all for us. He don't got to win nothing else. He already won. But in reality, are you still acting as if he's still in the battle? Are you still acting as if he's already defeated? The Bible speaks of the victory. The battle is coming in Revelation. That's the next thing he'll fight. But he already won it, fam. Okay, I'm done. Just don't act like he didn't get back up. May your life reflect that he got up. May your life reflect that the blood worked for you. Because this is the message of the cross. Let's all stand. Father, we are grateful for what you have proclaimed in this room. And we are thankful, Lord God, that your blood still runs warm in um, your veins, our veins, because we have accepted what you have done for us. We thank you, Lord God, that we are not guilty because of your blood. Because of what your blood did for us, we do not have to live life under the penalty of sin anymore. Because your blood, your cross, that cross, that grave, that resurrection did everything for us to resurrect and pull us into a place called victory. Thank you for doing it for us so that we may have life and that more abundantly. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.